Anybody like going to the doctor for their yearly checkup? Everyone's like, you, you look forward to that day. It's circled, it's highlighted, like, like there's stars on it. Like, yes, yearly checkup day. My, this is how my yearly checkup goes. I usually uh, go and, and it involves uh, uh, doing some sort of exercise on a treadmill. Uh, usually we start off at a slow walk at the incline of a very steep staircase. In a matter of moments, I am running up something that's about the incline of Everest at the clip four-minute mile. And I am all the while my doctor is trying to talk to me. You know, I'm, uh, we, we, he cranks it up a little bit. I start jogging. He's like, no, 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 no. Just, just keep walking. Long strides. I'm like, oh, you're not the one getting get shot off the back of this thing, doc. And then I have to go to the, a different doctor for a different injury. And so uh, maybe, maybe that would sound like fun for you. Like, hey, I'd rather do that than, you know, whatever. But uh, sometimes it's, it's not so fun. We don't always like going in for our yearly checkups. But they're helpful to ensure uh, our, our continued health. And there's some things that we can tell without without having to go to the doctor. And we, we, look, we step on the scale, we can read a scale, we can look in the mirror, we can go, you know, maybe things aren't quite what they used to be and, 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 and maybe I could make this change or make that change and, 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 and help some things out. And so sometimes, you know, but sometimes we need the help of a doctor, help of a professional to, to look at some things that, that maybe we can't see quite so well, some things that we aren't quite aware of. And they look into our life and they point out some things and give us some direction and, and wisdom on how to take care of ourselves, how to keep ourselves in good shape. And the same is true with the, with the church. Same is true with the church. See, essentially, we are a publicly traded company. Our members and, and uh, active attenders, they're, they're essentially shareholders in the business side of the church. And so each week we publish numbers, and whether it's kind of against a scorecard, where it shows whether we're winning or losing, how things are going. And, and so from time to time, we need to take a look at those metrics, take a look at those numbers, and see how things are going. And if you paid attention to the numbers over the past few weeks and months, you can see that um, our two sets of numbers are going in different directions. The first, the good news. Uh, attendance up year-to-date from the same point last year, we're up 6%. We're about five, six, seven people a week than we were last year. And if you think about that, if each year we're, we go up about six to ten percent, that'd be really great, and and, and it would show uh, some some life and some growth in the church. We'd see a life change and families impacted by the gospel and, and and greater impact in our community. So that is something to be applauded, something to be thankful for, something to be grateful for, something to be encouraged by. But now the bad news. Financially, we are down about. 19% or about $600 a week. And so from our year-to-date average from this point last year, and that's equated to about being about $10,000 less uh, uh, offerings this year than the same point last year. And Minute Mark's going to come up and give us some specifics. Uh, but since paying the bills has never really inspired people to greater giving, uh, pay, paying, paying the bills has never inspired someone to greater stewardship and greater uh, uh, generosity. Uh, we want to frame this, uh, th- th- this message today on financial stewardship in light of the mission of the church. And so if you would, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. And uh, we're going to look at some verses there. If you've been with us the past few weeks, you're like, Mike, we've been in Proverbs a lot. And you know what? Uh, that just kind of happened. It, it was not planned that way. And Someone from first service said, that's okay, you can just keep preaching from Proverbs. Don't need to apologize for preaching from Proverbs, and that's probably true. Um, but uh, at the same time, we didn't necessarily plan on preaching from Proverbs three weeks in a row. But as we've talked about, Proverbs is this uh, book that Solomon wrote to his son to give him wisdom and to give him uh, these uh, little sayings that, well, 
Proverbs uh, that would help lead and guide his life. And, and often, much of Proverbs is written topically. And so uh, this section of verses and that section of verses, these verses right next to each other may have nothing to do with each other. You know, th- these two verses and these two verses could be on vastly different things. But sometimes in the book of Proverbs, there seems to be a collection of verses that kind of all say about the same. And you're like, Mike, weren't we just in Proverbs 3 a couple weeks ago? You are right. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Verse 7 and 8 kind of say the same sort of thing uh, in a slightly different way. And in so doing, it, uh, they point us away from human wisdom and call us to follow you know, and trust in God for our own personal welfare. And so in, in, in light of these same verses, Solomon's kind of writing the same sort of theme. He writes these words in verses 9 and 10. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, and your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Solomon starts with this concept of honor, with honor. And, and, and the word honor, the main concept, the main thought behind the word honor is that, that there's this weightiness. There is, uh, there is a, uh, a value to it. There's a, uh, there's a heaviness. And, and figuratively speaking, it can be uh, talking about being honorable, talking about respectable, that they have a certain presence about them. Uh, but, but things in the uh, ancient world, their value sometimes was equated to a, a weight. Their money was not, uh, wasn't determined value because there was a number on it. It wasn't like, you know, a $100 bill or because of the number on the coin. The, the value of the coin was based on the weight. And so if you maybe read in the scripture where it says, don't use dishonest scales, is because it's like, well, this, this uh, you know, thing is worth this many shillings or, you know, whatever they were using. And they would put that many on one side and you'd have to put the same amount of weight on the other side to equate what those were. And so the what weight was d- determined value in, uh, on, on one level. And so honor relates very, has a real connection to worship, because in worship we glorify and honor God for who he is. There's, there's, there's this respectable, honorable, weightiness, heaviness about God and his presence that drives us to worship him for who he is, for what he has done, for what he continues to do for us even in the future. And we believe that God alone is worthy of worship, that God alone is truly worthy of our praise. And so uh, one of, that's why as we have come here, we've worshiped God in, in various different ways. We start off today with some music, and so we began to worship God through, through song. We worship God through song. And then... Uh, after a while, we uh, came around uh, the community. We find it very important. It's one of the vital core parts of our worship that we would come before him and remember his sacrifice for us. Remember the death he died so that we could live, uh, have eternal life forever with him. And so we worship God through remembering. We have two services. We have Sunday school in between, and it's always fun to kind of be in the halls before services, after services, in between services, because there's always this, this chatter and there's this talk, and sometimes it's, it's hard to hear one another because there's so many, many different conversations going on. And we worship God through fellowship, through the connecting and reconnecting with one another, with friends who may not have seen since last week or maybe you haven't seen him for a couple of days. We reconnect and we worship God through fellowship. 
in our 915 Sunday School Hour. Maybe you're part of uh, one of our, 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 our groups throughout the week. Even through our time of preaching, we, we open up God's Word and we worship Him through study. But another important part of our week, another, another important part of our service is when we collect an offering. We collect an offering, we worship God through giving. We give back to God from what he has so richly blessed us with. We give back to God. We, we, we honor him through our wealth. Solomon says, honor God with your wealth. And you might be thinking this morning, Mike, if I had some wealth, I would honor God with it, right? Like Mike, I would like to know what wealth is. Well, if I had some wealth, I'd like to touch some wealth. I'd like to have some wealth. If I had wealth, I, I would honor God with it. But one thing to let you know this morning is wealth is not a specific amount. The word wealth refers to all of our possessions, all the resources at our disposal. See, if wealth only referred to a certain amount of money, then anyone who had less than that amount would be exempt from worshiping God. But wealth is not, does not begin at a certain level of income, and below that it's just not wealth, it's just stuff. See, all the resources that we have, all the resources we've been given, that is the wealth that God has given us that we need to use to worship and honor and glorify Him. See, as we honor God with our wealth, it displays a certain level of trust. This place a certain level of trust in that we're, we're not going to live on all that we make, that we're going to choose to live on less and trust that if we are in need of more, that God will somehow provide it for us. That we will live in, in submission to him, that we will live uh, in, in this trust in him. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do we trust God with our finances? Do we trust God with our pocketbooks? Do we trust God with the resources he's given us? Do we give back to him? And trust that he'll provide for all that we need. Someone says, if we honor God with our wealth, he will fill our barns and our vats will be overflowing with wine. Anybody have any barns? I, I don't have a, I, I don't have, I don't have a barn. Uh, anybody have vats of wine at your house? You've been filling up and a little homebrew action going on. See, they lived in a much more agrarian society, much more uh, agrarian culture. And so these things would make sense to them. And so, but, but these things you know, uh, equated to resources that God would bless them with to feed their families, to provide resources to buy clothes or make clothes or, 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 or food or housing or, or things that they would need. They would raise and create these uh, either uh, raise uh, crops or, or make wine and they would sell them and they would barter with them and they would exchange them for other products and services. And so this is how God provided for them. So when we honor God with our resources, with our, with our possessions, he in turn will provide richly for us. Now before we stretch that too far, uh, here in a couple weeks, we're going to start a, a new series that we're going to look at different verses that people have taken out of context. And so before we take this verse out of context, thinking that you might, if I, if I write a $500 check and drop it in the offering plate, I'm going to get a $750 check later that week. That's not how God works. You know, they, they, you know, for some reason, man, that'd be nice. Man, that'd be a great exchange. Right? I'm going I'm to put this in, and then later on that week, God's going to give me back much more. That's not what Solomon is saying. 
Psalm is not saying that God is going to respond in like kind. It says that we do what God promises. God will promise to take care of us. That he will bless us. It may be through some other form of transaction, some other blessing, some other reward. But no matter what it is, it will always be better than what we have given God. When we honor God with our wealth, when we honor God with our resources, then he will fill up our lives to overflowing. That he will provide not just enough, but more than enough for us. So as we consider our own personal giving, our own trust in God, I'm going to invite Mark Smith to the front, and he's going to kind of give us some of our uh, update on where we are as a church body. Morning. Uh, I'd like to tell you I'm here to share a whole lot of good news, but that's not the point. As you can plainly see by the chart behind me and what Mike said earlier, uh, as a body, year to date, we are running a little over $10,000 in red. Many of you do buy budgets at your home. Many of you budget to go red. Normal budget is, you know, at least your income matches your outgo. We budgeted at the beginning of our year. Uh, we knew we were going to hit a small rate. We've been hitting a much larger That our income is trailing behind our expenses currently by about $10,000. Um, as a organization, as a, as a corporate group here, when we did our budget, we trimmed all of our expenses to bare minimum. And our expenses are holding pretty good. It's the income side of things that's hurting us. Again, the year. January in our general fund we had about $46,000. We are currently down to a little over $36,000. Not a free picture by any stretch of the imagination. Again, <clears throat> our expenses are holding pretty true, but as things continue to unfold, we may have to find outlets to trim some expenses. What does all this mean? Well, some of it is a trickle down effect. Part of what we budget is missions, to support various missions. As you can see by what we've got up here, we have been much less than able to support the missions that we want to support this year. Uh, we've sent out very little mission money so far in the October. So what does that mean? Well, the same meeting and the information that we're getting, some of the groups that we're supporting are feeling the same effects. We can't support them. They run the same deal. Their income outgo is going to go the wrong direction. So it's not it's not just us that gets affected. It's the outreaching of them, <clears throat> unfortunately. Uh, on the positive side, you know, this body has been in positions like this before, uh, and we have bounced back from. We've had ups and downs in this group quite a few times, actually. There have been times that we didn't know if we were going to be able to pay bills. Good news is right now, all of our bills are paid. Uh, we're not having any issue in that realm, but unfortunately, our safety net, if you will, of 
funds is dwindling rather rapidly. We're going to do what we can do to try to trim any expense that we can expense trim at this point. But again, there's not a lot that we can affect. The good news is we don't have any mortgage to pay. This building is paid for, but we still have all the monthly expenses that are part of running of the I'd like to tell you that I have a whole lot of bright news, but I don't have a lot of bright news. It is unfortunately what it is. We are running dirty. I am fully confident that God is going to intervene, that there will be rectification of this, but it's going to require work on our parts as well. Mike's going to talk a little more about what we can and can't do. The reality of it is, folks, you need to think about given to the body, pray about it, and there is opportunity to, to give some more funds to the work here, it would be greatly appreciated. So how do we respond to the need? There's a, a lot of offering and, and giving texts in the Old Testament. Uh, and there's this, there's this word that kind of comes up in many of them. It's called the, a tithe. A tithe, it, it means, literally means 10% or, or one-tenth. And, and as you uh, transition to the uh, New Testament, uh, the, 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 the word tithe or one-tenth doesn't show up years often. And whenever it does, it tends to kind of show up in the negative. Jesus is always, he's point out to the religious leaders of the day that they are far more concerned with their tithe than with showing the love and mercy of God to others. And so, you know, on one hand, you go, well, do we just do away with this worship through giving? Do we just pass it off to the side? Do we say it's something from the past? Or, But there's there's other things in the, the New Testament where they may not use the word tithe, but there's some other giving uh, uh, texts in the New Testament. And then Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He writes these words in 2 Corinthians 9. He says, remember, you remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now that he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What does Paul say as he, as he writes to the church? As he, as he writes to them to encourage them, there's this, there's this need in the area that he's calling them to participate in. And the first thing he says is, hey, we need to give generously. He goes, remember, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. That the farmer who goes out to sow, who goes out to plant seed, if he, if he only plants a little bit of seed, he's only going to get a little bit of crop. But the, the, the farmer goes and he sows much seed. 
because he knows that the more seed that he sows, the more possibility of the abundance of the crop that could come. And so the first thing we need to consider is can we, how do we give generously? Can we give generously? My, my, my thought, my, my, my advice, my, my encouragement to you would be to start somewhere. Start somewhere. Where, where in my mind, 10% ought to be kind of that first giving goal. That's something that we, we build towards. And so maybe today you're not given anything at all. Maybe you're not given much at all. And so maybe you need to just start somewhere. Do you start with a little bit and then each week or after a little bit of time, maybe you add a little bit more and add a little bit more and add a little bit more until you're, you, you, it grows to where you're giving 10%. In the Old Testament, there's the command for 10%, but in the New Testament, there's no such command. But when we think about the word generously, I'm going to guess generously is not going to be less than 10%. So we need to start somewhere. Start somewhere and then add to it and see how God will bless our life. See, if you're wondering why your life doesn't feel blessed by God, it might be that you've not been honoring him with your wealth. One of my favorite preachers is a man named Erwin McManus, and he said this. He goes, if you, can, if you come for what you receive, eventually it won't be enough. But if you come for what you can give, you'll receive more than you ever did when you came to receive. Let me say that again. If you, can, if you come for what you can receive, eventually it won't be enough. But if you come for what you can give, you'll receive more than you ever did when you came to receive. Paul says, hey, give generously, sow generously, because when we sow generously, we can also reap generously, that God will give back to us. He will bless our lives in many and abundant ways because of our generosity. Second thing Paul says is that we need to give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. That God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver, not uh, uh, reluctantly, not under compulsion. We, we will never come to your house and knock on your door and say, you aren't giving enough. You know, whenever we're, we're not really the place of heads, you know what we need is pass that plate again. Pass that plate again. Pass that plate again. Really, that, that's, we don't want to put you under compulsion. We don't want to force you. We want, to be, we want the offering time between you and God. That way, the gift that you give is a gift cheerfully given to honor God with the resources that he has given to you. Our offering time ought to be a time of joy, that we get to bring gifts to God. See, um, financial resources given are not given for the building. They're not given for, for this. The church can meet anywhere. We don't need this place to gather for church. We don't need this location to gather as the church. Our offering is not to pay the bills. Though there is overhead that, that is incurred because of our facility, because of, of how we meet, our giving is not to pay the bills. It's not to cover overhead. When we collect an offering, we collect it to advance the gospel. We collect it to advance the kingdom of God. We collect it to fuel ministry that changes lives. See the offering? The offering is not like some sort of religious tax. You know, like I go to this church, and so there's this tax. I, I live in this county. I live in this state. There are these taxes that I have to pay because I live in this. I, there's this tax that I have to pay because I go to this church. This is the, my church tax. Offering's not church tax. Offering, the offering is also not like a ticket that you pay to go see the movie or a game or, or a show. It's like, oh, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get some religious entertainment, so I need to pay for my ticket. I need to pay for my seat. That's not what the offering is. It's not a religious tax. It's not uh, buying a ticket to some religious entertainment. 
We give cheerfully to participate in the world, to participate in the ministry of the worldwide church to make the name of Jesus known. There is no greater entity on earth that you could possibly invest your financial resources in than the body of Christ. Paul says we need to give generously. He says we need to give cheerfully. But he also says we need to give because in giving, we reap a harvest. The giving leads to a harvest. See, we while this harvest may not always be a physical or monetary reward, if we give sacrificially, if we give it sacrificially, there may not always be a check coming out later that week to assist us. But Paul writes about this harvest of righteousness. And it sounds a little vague, right? And you're like, what's that harvest of righteousness worth? What does it mean? How is it, how is it going to be seen? How am I going to be able to experience it? And maybe that harvest of righteousness, maybe it, it, it's, it's a harvest that is seen in the lives of others. As we give financial resources to the church, they, they, we, we use those funds to create and, and drive and fuel ministry that, that we see marriages saved. We see families strengthened. We see people's lives restored from brokenness. We begin to see lives change and turn towards Jesus. We begin to see this harvest of righteousness in others. See, there's two sides of the, the, the giving equation. One is those who already come here giving more and giving sacrificially. But if we raise the number of contributors, that might also help raise that number. Are we going to give to fuel ministry that might bring people in, that might invite and encourage people to, to join our church family? And as they come and they say, hey, this is a place I want to put down some roots, they also begin to contribute because they see the lives that are changed here. They see the ministry being positive and, and fruitful and, and, and helpful in this place. Maybe the harvest is found in the lives of others. As we see people from all walks of life come to find new life in Jesus, that would be an exciting harvest of righteousness. But maybe, just maybe the harvest of righteousness would be found in you. We find, you maybe we realize inside of you that as, you, as we give and continue to give, as we continue to trust God with all of our heart, with our finances and with, with all of our abilities, as we begin to trust him more and more, we see that God will continue to create and recreate himself in us. That as we grow in generosity, he will grow us into, will be grown into the image of our heavenly father. And God at his heart is a giver. God at his heart is a giver. And if there's one thing you can hang your hat on, is that you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. God has given us so much, and so when God asks us to give back to him just a little bit, we can't, that, that, that number can't possibly be so big that we'd outgive God, because God has already given us more than we can even ask or think or imagine. You can't outgive God. No matter how much we give, God has always given us more. And so when he asks us to give to him, it's not because he needs it. It's because he wants to bless us as we participate in his mission to restore all of creation to himself. And so what is our next step? Everybody's got a next step they can take. As we look at these verses, we look at the reality of our situation, what is the next step that we all need to take? Someone, one of these steps may be a step that you need to take today. And the first one is to start somewhere. Start somewhere. 
Maybe today you only give when you got a couple bucks in your pocket. Maybe today you only give by accident, by happenstance, that you're not giving with any sort of regularity at all. And so I'd say start somewhere. Choose a dollar amount, choose a percentage. Start somewhere. And as you start somewhere, after time, add a little more, and a little more, and a little more, until eventually you get to that 10%. And along the way, notice how God grows your faith. Notice how, how, how God, you begin to grow in your trust in him. Start somewhere. Sometimes that, that, that first jump might feel like a huge step. Just start somewhere with a little bit. As you start somewhere, then be consistent. Be consistent. Maybe you only give here or there. Uh, maybe you give weekly or biweekly. Maybe you forget, you have trouble remembering. Did I give last week? Did I give last time I said that? When would so maybe... There are these handy-dandy smartphones that most of us carry around in our pocket. And you can set a reminder in there. I think my dad could even set a reminder. If not, my brother could show him. And then here's a, you set the reminder, like, oh, and it comes up. And you go, oh, maybe, maybe you're like, hey, Mike, I'm not digital like that. I'm analog all the way. And so, hey, there's these calendars that we've had for years, right? You, know, you go get one. Maybe you go to the doctor's office. They give you one for free. Rather, hey, this is when I give. This is when I give. This is when I give. Oh, this, this, this is a Sunday for me. This is the time for me to give. I'm, I'm kind of a weekly guy. I like to be reminded every week. That, but, but sometimes it was difficult to, 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 to make sure that I remember to grab the checkbook and write the check. And so I scheduled in my online bill pay. So each week I get this little email. Hey, we're sending this check. And so it shows up here. So the guys come by and they, they offer me the offering plate. I'm like, it already showed up. It, it showed up before I got here. And so, so maybe you're like, hey, I have a hard time remembering. I have a hard time remembering, you know, did, you know, did, did, did we give? You know, and nowadays, when, you know, as, as summer's approaching, summer's going to be taking trips. And as we take trips, oftentimes our money goes with us. And we forget, did we give before? Or did we, should we give? Whether I'm here or not, my check shows up for me. Because it's important to be consistent in giving. Because if we get out of a habit, sometimes it's hard to get back in a consistent habit and pattern of giving. Of giving. So start somewhere. Be consistent. And maybe just maybe we need to give sacrificially. Maybe you've been giving for a while. Maybe you've been giving the same amount for a while. Have you ever, have you ever considered giving writing one of those checks that might hurt the bottom line just a little? One of those checks that might sound just a little bit crazy? Maybe God's calling you into deeper water. Maybe he's calling you to give just a little bit more. Maybe you got a, a, an extra bonus, a special gift. Uh, maybe uh, you, 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 instead of spending all that to buy something you've been really wanting, maybe you take a portion of that. You give it back to God. To, to, to a special gift to fuel the ministry of the church. Maybe God's calling you to give more for a season. Hey, maybe in this season where we're a little short, maybe, maybe I need to uh, give just a little bit more to help overcome that shortfall. Maybe it's a one-time gift. Do we give sacrificially? Do we give out of the excess of what we have? Do we honor God with our wealth? And see how he might bless us. See, there's all there's a next step that we all can take. As we as we pray about how God can use us to continue to grow his body here at uh, the Church of Christ at Hagerstown. 
We use this to, to bring others to know him here, that we might continue to grow our family. Maybe he'll call us into to giving more sacrificially, to, to offering more, that, that, that we can honor him even more with our wealth, that God might continue the ministry in this place. See, you can't outgive God. But we, when we give him our best, he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or could even imagine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a great and loving God. We thank you that you give us even more than we deserve. That, Father, out of your grace, out of your love, you have bestowed upon us blessing upon blessing. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to honor you with our wealth, that we'd we'd be able to honor you with our resources, that we would trust you with the gifts you've given us, that we might use them to make your name known. Father, be the financial to help fuel ministry, to, to, to provide resources, to help bring people to you. Maybe, Father, it's, it's using our gifts and our time and our availability. That you would use us to speak to people who uh, are far from you and help lead them into a new life with you. Father, I pray that today we would honor you with the resources you've given us, with the wealth you've given us, with the finances you've given us. That, Father, you be made great, that you be made known through our offerings today, this week, this month, this year. Father, we thank you for the life you've given us. Father, we use this life that you've given us here and now to honor you, to make you great, to share your glory, to spread your fame far and wide to the whole world knows. Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray.